just wondering if the government of Christ reigning in the kingdom is going to put up or have to deal with these kinds of issues. I would say no, and I don't know what you think, but I think that if we, the church, we, the body of Christ, uh, are representing the king who is to come, and the king to come will set up his government, and his government will rule the day, then I think today the body of Christ, the church of God, needs to represent him as he would in the day he reigns rule the earth. I think we ought to just be who we are and say what he says we ought to say. Amen. So I want to talk about this kingdom, the kingdom of God. I want to talk about that. I believe the more we get familiar with what God is expecting of us as a church. In fact, the mission of the church, everything that the church is designated to do is really centering around Christ. It's centering around his purpose. He was sent by the Father to redeem man and to reconcile man back to himself. And so in order to do this, all of this unfolding history, both past and present, is part of God's progressive redemptive plan for mankind. And God has a script. He has a rule and he's going to fold it out and he's looking for faithful actors and faithful players and where can he look if the church that he cleansed with the washing of his own blood that is the blood that he shed on calvary and died for our redemption does not represent it what can he say to the father where he's sitting on the right hand saying uh god bless him and they are uh got our purposes in mind i'm not there but they're standing in for me what can he say if we don't do his will amen we must examine the gospel in the context of how to contrast the kingdom of God future and the glory Jesus gives to us within this present age. We must, uh, we must know this present age is an evil age. It is an evil empire age. Amen. Some of y'all watched Empire. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Amen. After a couple episodes of that, I said, oh God, then I took ungodliness to another level. Praise God. This evil empire age which dominates the popular culture of today's world. It's, it's a Babylonian-like culture with its confused values and evil and corrupt riches which rule over the culture through the lust for material riches which everyone prefers to have. The true kingdom of God, however, speaks to earthly and supernatural possessions. Namely, a king who will reign above all. And a kingdom in which the king reigns supreme. And a kingdom land which the king possesses. I want you to think about those things for a moment. A king, a kingdom, and a kingdom land. Because, see, the enemy does not want you to materialize this proper uh, eschatological vision of what God is going to do 
for the believer. And don't worry about its future and I'm living now and, and, and how am I going to take part in that. Oh, God has a splendid role for you. It's, it's, it's another message, but it's so glorious. I would love to get into it and talk to you about it. But we need to really understand what we're up against here and now. So let's examine this closer in Revelations 5 and 10. Five, let's start at the ninth verse. Amen. Five, nine, and ten. Um, and they sang, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests that we shall reign on the earth. So this uh, very wonderful future vision casting prophetic utterance says that you know the word of God is without dimension of time and space he God steps out of eternity and he sets up parameters that humans can exist in and so time and space are creative constructs of God if you if you look at Genesis 1 and 1 it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Imagine uh, time, space, and the speed of light, and the time it takes to cross. All of that God spoke, and it came into existence. So God has no uh, construct need for time and space. It is a need for man to relate even to, can you imagine uh, you step right into eternity and you have no concept of what God is. God wants us to learn about him. So he lets us look on the earth from where we are to the moon and just wonder. And you can just imagine, but the moon is just a short shot for God. In space, uh, we can get to the moon in no time. But God created the entire heavens and all the universe and everything, and we have galaxies and all these things that they say take millions of years, not just years, but light years to get to. And God is out there somewhere. God spoke it, and it came into existence. And God says here in the kingdom that he's anticipating you being a part of that before he sets it up, Today, he's making a deposit for you because he knows you're finite. You're dealing with time and space. You're dealing with humanity. You're dealing with uh, the physical realm. You're dealing with your flesh. You're dealing with the temptations of your flesh, your lust, your imaginations, your thoughts, your, 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 your troubles and trials. And God says, I need to do something for them. God says today that you, even now, are kings and priests, mm. and that you shall be even more that king and priest. 
That is the office and the assignment God has given to the church, the church to which he is the head. We are nothing apart from Christ. And everything that the church is, is tied to Christ. So in his uh, assignments and in the resources of his assignments, in uh, Ephesians 4, you see that he assigned apostles and pre- uh, prophets and uh, teachers and pastors and evangelists. And then uh, Christ uh, came and he gave gifts to men and so the gifts of the holy spirit are assigned to the offices that he gives and so everything that god has has order and and purpose and the purpose of the kingdom is operating in something we need to realize because in this evil age in this evil empire that we're in we could get lost in the uh misdirection the smoke and mirrors that the current culture has us caught up in amen Hmm. But what kingdom gospel did Jesus preach? And why did he preach it? And how does that kingdom relate to us today? Revelation 5 and 10 reveals Jesus, the lamb, receiving the book of life. And from the right hand of the ancient of days who sat on the throne of heaven, which was sealed with the seven seals. This heavenly scene is shown depicting the actual throne of God Almighty with four heavenly beasts, angels on high, 24 elders holding holy harps and golden vials, celebrating and singing a new song about the Lamb of God who is slain whose blood has redeemed us to God once again. Adam was perfect. He was immortal. He was not corrupt. He was incorrupt. He and God had a a relationship where God would just uh, come down and in the cool of the evening walk through the garden where he had given Adam dominion. And Adam was perfectly aligned and reconciled and in the image of God and and, and God wants that again, and no doubt God has his enemies. We understand that because Satan became one of them, and uh, part of the past as well as future demise of Satan is told to us. So Satan is still operating in some realm, and he's not bound like we are to space and time. He can cross dimensions. And so God is dealing with his own enemy. God is dealing with an enemy, but God has decreed and declared. He sent his word out and he said, my word won't fail. And he said that man needs to have the capacity to carry not only and look and have my image, but to carry my purposes. He says, therefore, I will put in him my word. Amen. So imagine when you speak the things of God, the word of God, you're advancing his purpose. You're fighting the spiritual enemies of God. You're doing the things that God has assigned to his son and his son has delegated to his church. This is the kingdom, no doubt, in part that Christ is speaking about. This redeemed people are from every tongue and 
people and nation upon the earth who have become kings and priests under God to reign on the earth. The New Testament word for kingdom is basilia, the Greek New New Testament word basilia means to reign with power and authority. The parable of Jesus, which explains this kingdom reality, in my mind, best. There's a description of what this reality, this basilia, kingdom reign is. is in Luke 19 and 11. It's the nobleman's kingdom where the 10 pounds are discussed. And you can refer if you want, but I'll, I'll give you the snippet of it. It says... In Luke 19, 11, he therefore said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants, listen, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded each of his servants "Mm," to be called unto him and to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Now, see, in this story, Jesus says the nobleman gives out 10 pounds to 10 of his servants. But when he returns, only three of those 10 servants are accounted for in the parable. Hmm. Think about that. Only three servants out of a possible 10 servants are used to show who in this age will even show up and speak up for the God of the kingdom during that interim period of time. The interim period of time has begun when Jesus ascended and the disciples were looking up and the angel said, why are you standing looking, gazing? For the same Jesus will come back in the glorious clouds and And he's going to reign and rule. And so from that time till now is the interim period. And God has distributed 10 pounds. He's distributed gifts and assigned offices and given anointings. He's established churches. He's established leaders, teachers, prophets, apostles, pastors. He's assigned us and given us all that we need. And this nobleman one day is going to return and he's going to be looking for you. He's going to be looking for me. He's going to be looking for us. 86 years. I think you're doing good. Give yourselves a hand. Praise the Lord. Keep it going. Stay faithful. Stay true. Hallelujah. The deacon brother that stood, amen, I can identify with that because my father is really going through some things. He doesn't have any disease. His body's healthy, but he's... 84 and he's going through uh, and so it's not an easy thing to deal with and uh, my mother's 83 and she can't do a whole lot but boy you wouldn't know it you you wouldn't know it boy (laughs) that woman she 
And she told me the other day what she would do to keep uh, her obligation to her husband. Everything can drop. Ain't nothing more important than him. And she holds some important positions. And I was like, oh, God, I got to do something now because I see. Oh, yeah. So we, we done sprung into action. The, 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 the casual and occasional is not enough. We got to repack and replan this thing and get intensified. And today the church has got to get busy. We can't just sit aside and let the uh, uh, con- conceptual imaginations of the current culture take over the world that Christ has established this church in. He's got a kingdom to set up. And when he comes to set up his kingdom, believe me, he's going to be looking for us. He's going to be looking for his servants. Amen. I'm, I'm glad he's going to be looking for me. Amen. Yeah, yeah, because I plan to stay busy. And like our present age today, while the nobleman was away, he gave his servants delegated kingdom authority and limited kingdom power along with the money of that day for their immediate use. Look, he did not give them full power, but he gave them limited power. Uh, He gave them power aligned with their delegated tasks. And then he gave them the resources to carry it out. You see, while the nobleman is away, he's gaining full, uh, not only authority, but timing. Timing which the father has set in his own purposes, for which he's not even assigned or told his son. The king himself doesn't know when the time will be right to come back. But this thing we do know. That when Christ gets the, 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 the green light to do that rapture flyby. He's not going to come to the earth. That's not going to be his second advent. But he's just going to come out on a cloud in the sky. And he's going to say to his church, enough. And he's going to say to his church, come on up. And then first in order priority, the dead who died in Christ, who were faithful and spent their lives and have made the test, the test of a testimony. He's going to say, get up and the graves are going to open up and the dead in Christ are going to be raised and they're going to call up to Christ. And then we who are alive and remain, if there's anybody left, amen, will be caught up together. With him to meet him in the sky. And then. And when that time. That's when the clock starts. That's when the clock starts. After that happens. We know what's going to go down. We know the time. We know the sequence. We know who and how. We even know names of wars. Because seven years will begin to tick tock on the clock after that rapturous exodus. And then up in heaven, the saints that are part of that. Oh, man, it's going to be a Holy Ghost heavenly party going on. Woo, my God. 
look, he going to put us through boot camp. And I don't know what that's like because I think it's more of a marriage. I think the marriage of the lamb happens. The theologians are trying to figure that out. But it looks like uh, that's when the church is married to Christ. Because you have to realize that when he comes back and he's coming back primarily to redeem Israel and then all of those that are yet uh, in the earth who have some faith in him and then he's going to rule everybody in the earth and when he rules then all those that went in the rapture and were part of that marriage are going to be part of the reign are going to be part of the rule and he's going to assign you cities he's going to assign you continents he's going to assign you places and you're going to hey amen I don't know how you're going to operate but whatever he's like that's what we're going to be like So I'm telling you, this stuff we're going down here, going through the problems, the trials, the tests. I'm going to tell you, it's limited. It's coming to an end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What time y'all get out of church usually? Huh? Because I done got lost. I didn't even look at my clock to see when I started. I I don't know where I'm at. (laughs) Praise God. All right. Amen. You know, I'm like a chef in the kitchen and you start cooking and it smells good and you start to take a bite. And before you know, you don't start eating. (laughs) Hallelujah. So. This also points to the level of expectancy held by the nobleman regarding the importance. Of the pre kingdom work. To be done in preparation for his return. The pre-kingdom work. That's what we're doing. 86 years. You're doing the pre-kingdom work. And the nobleman is is expecting this work to be of high level. To be excellent. Hallelujah. His servants receive these key benefits. For the basilia. Which means his representative power and authority even though they are left behind to reign while he is away. And I don't, be, I don't mind for this interim period being left behind. But when the rapture drive-by happens, I don't want to be left behind then. No, baby, I want to be on that, on that train. I want my ticket. Hallelujah. I want to be... Amen. Ready when it come. And see, the problem is we don't know the day, the hour. We don't. It's not tied to anything. It can happen at any time. It doesn't. There's no prophecy about the rapture. The word rapture is not even in the Bible. Only Paul gives us an explanation in, in, in Thessalonians 2 and Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. He tells us that this uh, Catching away is going to happen. That's what rapture means. Catching away. Catching up. And we know it's going to happen, but there's no time connectedness to it. And so Christ didn't preach it. And when he talks about the kingdom, he's talking about after the rapture, after the seven years, after he comes with full power. And when the nobleman returns, when the king comes to set up his rule on the earth, believe me, baby, he ain't coming with no, with no bubble gum and, 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 and tambourine. He is coming in the blood, the, the expectancy of God's justice and God's 
a judgment is coming with him. And guess who's coming with him? Oh, the saints is coming. I don't know what kind of bad mammy jammy you going to be, but let me tell you, when he tells you to go get him, oh, you going to go down. You ain't fighting, doing no karate, no kung fu, none of that. All you're going to do is open your mouth and say, the Lord reigneth. And when you speak, and, and I'm so glad that he's setting you up, telling you what you're going to have so that now you can get some practice. You can get some, 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 some good rehearsal going on. You ought to just look in the mirror and just say, I'm blessed. The word of God says I'm blessed. I'm kingly and priestly in the appointment of the kingdom of God. God is depending on me. I'm a member of his body. I'm a part of the church. I speak those things that are not and it doesn't matter to me because I speak it, it shall be done. I speak it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say I'm ready. Yes, yes. So Luke 19 Let's look at this. When he returns to his kingdom with all power to rule his kingdom as he chooses, he will first command an examination of each of his servants. Now, Luke 16 tells us, then came the first saying, Lord, that pound hath gained 10 pounds. And he said unto them, well, thou good servant. Because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound had gained five pounds. And he said, likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up and that thou layest not down and you reapest that which you did not sow. And he said unto him, out of thine own mouth, I will judge thee, thou wicked servant. Now see what this servant had going on. He had no less delegated authority. He had no less resources of heavenly spiritual resources. He had no less access and expectancy to be operating in the anointing, but he chose to park all that. I ain't doing that. That's another man's work. Well, how dare him? He got an expectation for me to do what he ought to be doing. I'm not doing it. And so he let his family go to hell. He had the gift. He had the gospel. He had the word. He wouldn't so much as testify to him. He wouldn't so much as witness to him. They all died and died in unbelief he could have laid his hands on his sick relatives and and witnessed to his neighbors and spoke good things to god he could have did at least one pound's worth of work but he was lazy i ain't going to church tonight the pastor can he can preach and sing too he got mother foul she can hold it down I don't need to go. Empire zone. I want to see what's going on. Cookie got this thing wrapped up. She getting ready to bust a move. That's her name, ain't it? Cookie. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus says, slay them in the 27th verse who would not be subject to my authority. This parable of the nobleman is foreshadowed of the Jeremiah 31, 31 promised kingdom. You see, Jesus speaks in the New Testament, the gospels of the coming kingdom. What Jeremiah has already prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. And so what we see is that the mystery, which is the church, which is not even alluded to or spoken to, except we get to Paul and Paul explains to us that the called out church even when Christ says to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. They had no idea that it was going to be a Gentile church. They were thinking this is part of Jeremiah 31, 31. This is part of the kingdom. And Jesus spoke the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't tell them Gentiles were coming in, even though the prophetic prophecy uh when john the revelator on the isle of patmos would speak to that heavenly scene saying they will be of every tongue and every kindred and every nation it wasn't until then that it became clearer and clearer yes paul is right the church is the gentile church and this church is something that god is doing in the interim period because israel for all of their ancestry and all of the oracles of god that have been delivered in the law of moses and all the prophets and all of that they still are waffling they're still not holding fast they rejected christ crucified him even after his resurrection and he spoke to them only uh, of the 500 that were there uh, before he ascended from the Mount of Olives, only 120 showed up at the upper room and they got filled and they accused him of being drunk. And when Peter tried to tell him, repent for all of your unbelief, repent for the fact that if the Gentiles had what you had, they wouldn't have been so hard headed. Peter and Paul pick up on this too, but it was the church that God saw coming and holding it down. And doing what we have to do. It's you. He ain't forgetting about the Jews. But a lot of them going to be lost just like you. Just like us. But God is going to come back. It's this Jeremiah. I want to go into that, but I, I feel led not to. Jeremiah promises in the Old Testament, the new kingdom. I could go through those scriptures, but in other words, the promised kingdom to come will be experienced in the implementation of the promised new covenant. This new covenant of Jeremiah describes the coming kingdom. Christ, when he comes and preaches, preaches of the new kingdom he doesn't call it new kingdom he just calls it kingdom of God but it's the new covenant kingdom that Jeremiah preached about so for us today we have to be clear that the kingdom gospel of Christ was for the Jew to prepare them and the kingdom that he prophesies and speaks about not only is coming but like the nobleman to preserve its 
place and its authentication and authority and power in the earth today, he advanced a group of people who he attached to himself and he anointed and appointed them as the church. And it's that church today, greater grace, church of God in Christ, that he said, hold it down until I can get my plan fully manifested. And he said, in exchange for you coming ahead, you know you always got a first act before the main act. You know, the headliners coming, but they got a couple forerunners coming before them. You know, Beyonce is about to come on, but she got two, three groups come before she come. The kingdom is coming, but we're the forerunner. We're getting it. We're holding it down for Christ. We, we're going to get it ready so that when the main act come, not only are we going to be part of the, the actor's guild, but we will have made a name for which Christ says you're going to be duly rewarded. He says not only are you going to make it to heaven, in fact, everybody that believes on Jesus Christ is going to heaven. It's not a matter of being judged. Are you right or wrong? Anybody that believes Christ and accepts him as their personal Lord and Savior will be accepted. But then God is going to have a reward ceremony. He's going to appoint and he's going to acknowledge your deeds. He's going to acknowledge your suffering. He's going to acknowledge your sacrifice. He's going to acknowledge your going through. He's going to acknowledge the things that you did even above your peers. And he's going to reward you accordingly. That's why I don't worry about trying to motivate folk that trying to get over. They got a get over spirit in the church. And I say, you know, God you deal with them. But I look at the ones that like Jesus describes in John 15. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband man. And, and you can bear no fruit except you abide in me. And then he said, if you abide in me, you will bring forth fruit. And he said, if you bring forth fruit, he said, then my father will prune you and he'll clip and he'll do some things and you'll bring forth more fruit. And then he said, if you bring forth more fruit, then he'll do a little bit more. And before you know it, you're bringing much fruit. Three levels, four levels. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. God said, when you get to that much fruit, he said, then therein is my father glorified. He's fully manifested in you the things that he promised. So you that are uh, half-baked and, 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 and complacent, you in the lukewarm category. Don't worry, I ain't bothering you. Stay lukewarm. The new covenant kingdom yet to come described by the prophet Jeremiah will usher in his salvation to Israel and deal with their sin where they finally will experience the creation of a new heart for the entire nation of Israel, which is solely the work of God. Look, God does this work. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. It's a work of the Holy Ghost. It is a work of grace. The wages of sin is death. But the 
It's a gift. You can go to work in the church, but do you not know all your best efforts, all of your effort, all of your righteousness is as filthy rags before God? Do you know you cannot earn a wage of righteousness that can be recognized by God? But rather, your faithfulness and your suffering is an acknowledgement that God is in your heart. And God says, therefore, I will give you a gift. And the gift of God is eternal life. You can't work 10 hours. You can punch in early and punch out late. You still can't earn eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't see it. The thing you can do, the only thing you can do is believe it. When you believe Christ, then God is going to prepare you. How many want that kingdom? We want that kingdom to come, but today the kingdom of God is operating. And it's in the church. And if it's in the church, it's in the believer. And if you're a believer, it's in you. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which God has put in you to be the resource and to fulfill his word unto all righteousness that you might do his will and his pleasure? When Jesus called those ten servants of the parable story, he tells ten servants. And he gave them all 10 pounds. He gave them a pound apiece. And the first came back, he blew that thing up. I got 10. The next one came, he had five. And if the one had just done something, he would have got rewarded. We make excuses today. Let's not make excuses. Let's get ready for what's going down. It's going down right now. It's going down right now. This election, this economy, everything that's happening. Look, and God has us on a totally different track. The source and resource of this world is not our resource. But when we tie ourselves to this Babylonian kingdom, then we get a Babylonian reward. But God is saying, be ye separate. That's what he's saying. He ain't saying separate yourself from folk that ain't got a hope. No, no, no. God is saying, be an overpowering light that shineth on a hill that cannot be hid. He said, be the salt of the earth. You can walk into the troubled places in our community and you can command the presence of God by opening your mouth and speaking those things that they dare not even think. That mean go home and, and pull up Amen. In your bed and pull the sheets over your head and close the lights. It means speak and be forward. And we have our opportunity today. God is depending on us. God is looking at us. Are you ready? Stand to your feet.